for the first time ever, we could say freeze warning and it not be any type of analogy, illusion, iteration. I'm going to bet that everybody listening has been in some sort of freeze war- warning currently over the last few days. It's been freaking cold. That's why I got the hood up. I'm freezing my butt off, even in my own house. The studio's got a lot of windows. It's old house. We're making it through, though. But let's jump it back to the getting a little chilly on the plains, literally and figuratively. That is what's been happening across the board today. And that is what we're going to talk about on this episode of the Auburn Daily Show. With us, as always, we've got our guy back, Pat Barnes. If you listen to the show, you already know who he is. He lives in infamy. He is the fighter of all bad takes on the internet. Auburn's Batman, Auburn's Hall Monitor, all the titles. Pat Barnes, welcome to the show, as always. And here's what we jump right into, kind of order operations. We're going to acknowledge this crazy sports weekend Auburn had. We're going to hit up the crazy dub that they had in Vanderbilt last night, the Auburn men's basketball team. And of course, I think we're going to clap it out with the main event of the episode. Talk about where do we think that Auburn football has upgraded, whether it be with the roster position groups and also the coaches, because we've actually gotten some movement and we had to postpone this episode two days because of the chatterings. So Pat, how are you feeling today? I'm good, like always, memes. I've had, had a little bit of a rough science infection, so it slowed me down a little bit. You may be able to tell a difference in my voice today, but we're going to power through because I'm always down to talk uh, Auburn football and Auburn sports. Well, before we uh, get too far into powering through, I just want to mention that if you do have a sinus infection, there is zero clinical proof that a rage room will do anything to make it feel any better. But maybe like emotionally, if the sinus pain is just frustrating you, you should go check out Opelika Rage Room. Or if you happen to be in Birmingham, they're the location, Birmingham Rage Room. They are the sponsor for the show. Want to thank them for sponsoring the show as always. Whether that be had a bad day, you're happy. Maybe you're just a Bama fan and you've lost the entirety of your roster and you need to go break stuff. Maybe you're an Auburn fan and have a sinus infection. Whatever it is, they it's a blast. Go check them out. Opelikaragedroom.com, or if you're Birmingham, BirminghamRageroom.com. If you don't know what Rage Room is, I mean, you definitely need to go. Literally, exactly what it sounds like. Get a break, a whole bunch of stuff. It is a blast. You can book on their website. And, of course, tell them whether you go to Birmingham or the Opelika location that you heard about them on the Auburn Daily Show. They will hook you up with some extra breakables on the house. But, like I said, just mention that you heard about them on this show. I want to thank them, as always, for the sponsorship. And let's get right on into it. So first thing, Pat, I'm sure you heard there was a phenomenal sports weekend in Auburn this past weekend. Had a gymnastics, had a men's basketball and a women's basketball. Don't get too many just uh, three-peat sporting events in Neville Arena. I was at all three shooting, and I'm just going to say they were all three absolutely electric. Uh, Sellout or near sellout crowds at all of them. Women's basketball set an attendance record, almost 8,000 people beat the defending national champions of LSU in a game that, I mean, the roof was blown off. And the cool part is that atmosphere, just like from a recruiting standpoint, like it's not just men's basketball anymore. It really is overflowing into everything. Student sections packed, men's basketball showed out for LSU. And then the women's gymnastics team faced off against a national championship caliper, Kentucky, and had an incredible meet there to really funny that uh, Kim Mulkey even blamed or said there was a factor 
of the loss that the women's team had against Auburn because they uh, went to go support the men's team the night before. And I think she said something along the lines of it just zapped their energy and morale, which like to me, I think is even funnier because it's like a, you know, Bruce Pearl kind of helped beat him by the transitive property there. Just insane that she said that on record. Absolutely hilarious. Auburn is back. Couldn't start the episode without shouting out that incredible weekend. And of course, I'm sure you watched the game last night against Vanderbilt, correct? I did. I've watched every Auburn basketball game so far this year. Not not the whole games, but I've watched every one of them. And since we've gotten back in the SEC play, I've watched every minute of the game so far. And I'm so impressed with our basketball team as a as a whole. This it's early. This may be the best team we've ever had under Bruce Pearl, I think. Yeah. So before, like I said, before we get into the full breakdown of what's happening with football roster and the transfers and the new coaches and the departing ones. I think it would not be right if we did not shout out this basketball team. I know we've been super distracted with what has now bled over into portal season. I don't think we even know what the dates mean anymore. It's kind of like whose line is it anyway? Yeah. The points don't matter. Transfer guidelines. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the dates don't matter. Just is it five days? Is it two weeks? Is it 30 days as a coach? Is it this or that? Just, you know, does eligibility? I mean, Robbie Ashford's at South Carolina now. Like, do you can you transfer multiple times? I mean, it's just like they're just we don't know, and we think we know, and then just we see a tweet that just absolutely breaks that down. So it has most definitely hogged the content lately, and by no means has it been uh, not interesting content. But alas, we don't want that to take away from what this basketball team is doing. So I think you said it, and this really could be one of the best under Bruce, and here's why. And I was kind of bullish on this team. Now, I look back, like, was I booging or was I really onto something? I'm just going to say I was onto something. And you really are seeing a true 10-man roster that is producing. You saw last year when that bench, when the bench came in, there was a drop-off. I mean, when you're seeing – when you were seeing the seven through tens come in, it was just like, oh, buddy, buckle up. We just got to survive these five or six minute stretch so a lot of the guys rest. At this point, I- I'm going to say it hot take, agree or disagree. Albert's bench is a top half SEC team as of yeah, right now. I agree. Well, have you seen the stat? I- and I don't remember the organization that put this out or-, or what the numbers were, but there was a stat going around Twitter last week that Albert's bench, uh, Donaldson, KD, Baker, Mazzara, Cheney, and Cardwell are the most efficient five-man lineup in America. Yeah, I remember seeing that. Probably That's crazy. You it out there. It is nuts. I mean, legitimately, it would just be – like, I would just like to see start the bench for the first 10 or 15 minutes of a game and just see what happens. No, I should mess up the juju. I mean, it was That's a hypothetical. We don't, we don't really do that. But I'm just saying, if you did – I, I would be hard-pressed to think there would be zero drop-off from just, like, the productivity. And we see it see, with the sub in. I think them being subs is, is is part of the reason they're doing so well because they're better than everybody else's second second guys that come into the game. And I, well, I, don't, I don't think they'd have the same effectiveness if they were starting out on the floor together. Well, we saw it against A&M, LSU, and even Vanderbilt here kind of late in the second half when the gap started narrowing a little bit. And then Auburn would just put the foot back on the gas when the bench guys are in there, just because the other team's getting worn out. I mean, LSU well, and, uh, got it. You heard Bruce say it today. I mean, 
it was either today or yesterday. I was just doing an interview with him, but by his own admission, uh, the bench is is a much better collective group of defenders than the starters are. So I think that's part I think, of the reason. Too. And I think it's a fair point. I mean, you look at just how tenacious KD is out there. You look at, uh, I mean, Trey goes without saying. Dylan has been playing very consistent, physical basketball. Uh, I think he couldn't. Uh, Chad Baker Mazzara is by far just the golden ticket that nobody expected. He's saucy. Out of yeah, out of out of all the transfers, you can go look back and see he was give, he he was being talked about probably the least. Everyone was kind of wondering like what his role was really going to look like as far as the minutes and, the, and this came out of nowhere. To, you circle like he's legitimately one of the best players on this team across the board. And then there, of course, there's so many there's so many things that have gotten better this year, and I, I'm sure you were probably about to hit on the same thing. But just the group of players that seem like they've improved so much from last year to this year. Like when I when I look at Dylan Cardwell, he's almost a completely different player. It seems like. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he he's killing teams in the paint on the defensive end. He's every single thing. If there's a ball bouncing around the rim, that dude flying up there and jamming it back in almost every single time he's on the floor. It seems like. Yeah, they're working on cutting down the turnovers, and they're playing smarter, taking smarter shots. I mean, Katie especially, that was a huge thorn in the side last year when he would just pump it up and Tommy Hawk it up there. Now, I think the only one that's got to work a little bit more on the – I'm not going to say the shot selection. I haven't seen anything just bad, but just got to start dropping a little bit more is Aiden. Sometimes he's taking them a little bit too yeah. deep now. Yeah, that's that. I noticed that last night. I was like, hey, ease up a little bit, brother. When you when you're when yeah. you're taking them like immediately crossing the logo, just jacking them up there. Yeah, get the look. I mean, I'm glad he did it when they're up, and I think they will start dropping. I think he's a guy that that's going to be a huge. If him and Denver can get really get to that, get that part of their game going where they just become like sharpshooters from deep, it's their Auburn is. I mean, they may already be, but the even bigger problem for everybody yeah. that they're going to face. So huge, huge deal for this team. Ten deep all playing, not seeing hardly any drop-offs when guys come in just from an average standpoint. Uh, even Chaney have a bad game, then he'd bounce back, have a really, really good game. And same with some other guys that may have a bad game, they bounce back and have a good one. So the averages are playing out very much in Auburn's favor. And then, of course, we cannot forget to mention, before we go to the next subject, Jalen Williams finally yeah. living up to that potential. Uh, Bruce Pearl oh, said he's a – do what? This is my man. I mean, you you know me. This, this has been the guy I've been championing since 2020. Uh, every time I, I remember watching him play as a true freshman, you could just see his athleticism pop when he got in the game. So I've been begging for this guy to play to this level for years now. And, and I think we knew the potential was there. And, I mean, even Bruce said after Jabari left, you know, the quote, and a lot of people are like, is it coach speak? Is he trying to sell him to stay? What was the deal there? He said, we really feel like we could build this team around Jalen. And then last year, just he didn't quite take that step consistently. And everyone was just kind of like putting their head down and just like, how oh, we're really looking forward to seeing him take the step. Is it just, is it going to happen? And then this year, I think we're, I think we're, I don't know if we're 100% there yet because we hadn't gotten deep enough in SEC play. But from what we're seeing so far, he's showing that he is that guy and he can be that guy consistently. I'm starting to feel real good about it. I mean, it's been about five games in a row now where he's, uh, Played at an elite level, I would say. On both sides of the ball. Right. Yeah, and that's the thing about it is it's been it's been happening 
both ways. And the good news is, too, and I mean, last year they really dealt with, especially with Broom, if they got in foul trouble, if Broom or Flanagan or somebody was in foul trouble, I mean, it was just like, or sorry, Broom, Jalen, or Flanagan, if any of them got in foul trouble, it was it was just, you were sounding the alarms. And now with how deep yeah. the team is, you can really spread that out and not have to worry about that. And that's a strategy. And I think you saw Houston really, uh, well, actually, sorry, that wasn't Houston that capitalized on it. Alabama capitalized on it. Houston to the opposite. But just getting guys in foul trouble and Auburn just didn't have the answers for them because they couldn't play the guys in the minutes that they needed to. So it completely changed the strategy of rotation. And you just don't have that this year. So going to shout those, going to shout the fellas out, going to shout the team out. Exciting to watch. If anybody out there, I'm sure everybody out there is paying attention. But if you're not paying attention to the Auburn men's basketball team, buckle up, check them out, buy stock now leading the SEC. Them and Alabama are the only two undefeated teams, and I think Alabama is fool's gold. That is from a book bias standpoint, but I think that's also just watch it. The discipline, the lack of defense, how close they've been doing it. I think I think the um I think whatever high they're riding on there is not going to last too too much longer. And everybody else the SEC's beating up on each other and Auburn's consistently winning by double digits. So, big big thing. Let's move on to talk a little bit of football, Pat. And we're going to talk a little bit about uh, what what upgrades. I'm, I'm going to let you let you take this one here. But what upgrades do you think you have seen that Auburn has brought in so far? And we'll just start this with offense. We'll start with coaches, and then we'll kind of go down players. And you tell me, and we'll just kind of keep the keep parameters. We think we got upgrade, kind of to be determined lateral or potential as of right now net loss because there's still still movement that can happen on the portal and everything. So this will be kind of what it looks like going into the 2024 season. Well, offensive side of the ball, I think you've got two upgrades for two different reasons for the two coaches that have moved on. Um, as far as offensive coordinator goes, well, really three, I guess, if we're going to count it this way. Hugh Freeze is probably going to be your offensive coordinator if you ask anybody but Lane Kiffin next year. Yeah, don't ask and, Lane. Uh, yeah, don't ask Lane. Uh, but I think we already saw this past year that he did a much. You could tell the games he was calling, uh, and it was much more mm -hmm. a, a much more efficient offense, a much more creative offense when he was running the show. Um, so I, I'm a, I think that's a big upgrade at play caller. We've talked about that a bunch already. I think, and I'm I'm sorry, Auburn faithful. This is going to hurt hurt some feelings here. I think Derek Nix is a huge upgrade over Cadillac as a recruiter and as a coach, um, just based off all the – as a coach, based off the additional 10 years of experience he has in the SEC, yeah. um, as well as the – I mean, he was he was coaching other other college teams before Ole Miss as well. And that's, uh, not, and a, and that's not a dig at Cadillac, just so everybody out there knows. Like It's, it's just the fact of the matter that he, he just – he has a much better recruiting and a deeper experience to draw from. Um, so I think that's a big upgrade at the running back position. And then I think uh, Ken Austin is a net upgrade as a quarterback coach, not necessarily because he's that much better of a pure quarterback coach than Montgomery was, but uh, I think he's going to be a lot more cohesive with Freeze. And I think you're going to see a lot more uh, cohesive system with Ken Austin being the quarterback coach. And I'm sure he'll have a lot to say in the play calling and, and the entire paradigm of just the offensive scheme as well. So I think that's a big upgrade. Now, so obviously Montgomery's out. And right. they got 
They've got Ken, and the, there were a lot of rumors of what Ken Austin was going to do. Is he going to potentially take that and freeze? And then obviously you've got Nixon there. So here's one angle I want to add to this. I'm just kind of throw my throw my two cents in here. And I think with how much turnover there is in college football, not only with coaches but with players, there's a word that we get tossed around, and I've said it, and we're going to say it again. I think it's a very important word. And it gets said a lot, but I do not think it is overplayed. If anything, I think it is underplayed now with all things becoming equal and the parity and the NILs, but culture. It can come and go so quickly. And with just how intense everything operates, if there's a bad egg in there, it can spread really quick because you're dealing with a lot of personalities, you're dealing with a lot of money, and you're dealing with a lot of celebrities. So if that if that culture is not just dialed up to a 10, it's not going to work. It doesn't matter how good your coaches are, doesn't matter how good your players are, doesn't matter how good this guy's resume is or that one, whatever, whatever. If folks are not working together well and effectively, it, it's if they cannot work as a team, the coaches, and the players can't play as a team, it's not going to work. And there were a lot of rumors. I don't want to address anything specifically because, you know, we were not there. I think there's enough out there that's reported on that folks can read between the lines, but we're not going to delve into those weeds. But there may not have been the best relationship, plural, with some of the coaches on the inside. I don't think that's – I don't think we're going on on a limb to say that. And I'm thinking yeah. one thing that will look a lot better with this will be with these additions, Hugh Freeze can make it the way he wants it because, like it or not, he is the head coach. It's got to be his way or not. Nah. And I've always been consistent with that. I was consistent with that with Brian Harson. Was it good? No. But I will just say I'm always going to believe that. So I'm not going to state my same opinion that I had. Hey, if it's Harson, he's going to do it his way, sink or swim, and not give Hugh Freeze the same benefit of the doubt. Hugh Freeze needs to build his staff his way with who he wants it. Him and Nick's work together at Ole Miss. He has a working relationship with him. He knows how they work. The culture buy-in, I think, is going to even be better there. Then, obviously, Kent Austin's been around with him for a while. On the offensive side and, I mean, the recruiting side, I think you're going to see a lot better things to come there. What's your opinion on that, Pat? No, I, I completely agree with you. Just in business and in any type of organization in general, I think the right way to run it is to hire somebody and everybody under that person. Pat, you with us? Person, so any coaching staff, and I and I said the same thing. I was with there with Harson with you. I, I didn't like Harson as a head coach, but I agree. The only way this is going to work to its fullest is if you let the coach hire his own people because he needs to be comfortable with who he's working with. He needs to be able to trust them uh, to go out and do the type of things that he needs to do off the field. The head coach needs to do off the field. He needs to be able to trust his coordinators to implement um, his vision. And yeah. I think you what you're going to see this year, what you're going to see this year is he's, Freeze is going to be able to trust Austin and Nick's a lot more with that than he was able to with the last group of coaches we had in there. Yeah, you can't meddle in here. And there was rumors, and I'm not going to say these are and aren't true, but you always kind of hear them, especially when a guy leaves. Oh, that wasn't his hire. That was, you know, that was forced upon him, whatever, whatever. True, not true. Is it somewhere in the middle? Who knows? But what is needs to be known is – Nobody out, and I think we're both saying the same thing here. No one outside of that head coach needs to be making or having any kind of influence on the hire who's brought in. All oh, this right. guy's an alum, 
you know, this guy's a what had been has been a head coach before. He's been a SEC coordinator. You need to get him. Now, okay, I respect your opinion. We'll interview him, but he's not gonna be in, he's not gonna have any sort of leg up over anybody else. And I think now we can officially kind of say this. And you see a lot of re- recruiting, or sorry, recruiting. You see a lot of coordinator turnover, first-year coaches, and, and same deal with assistants. And hopefully this one, I mean, you saw it with Harson first year. He burned a lot of his guys. I was that the wrong way there. A lot of his guys uh, came and went very quickly. And then, you know, he got, in quote, his guys in there, and then that just crashed and burned even faster. So let's just hope the similarity there of Hugh Freeze can get the guys and the staff how he wants it, and hopefully this is absolutely how he wants it. There is uh, the opposite of what happened with Harson, and there's no crash and burn, and we actually see it get done, keywords here, the right way. Correct. Let us jump to some of the players that Auburn has had jump on on offense since we had last recorded. Okay. The biggest, I think the biggest pickup as far as a player goes in the offseason is that left tackle we got from Mississippi State. I think it was a week week ago now, Percy Lewis. And like we talked about last week, what this guy does for you, he does two things. He brings in a quality SEC left tackle who has proven it in games last year. He was the second highest graded pass blocking lineman. You upgrade that left tackle spot on the offensive line. But you also kick in Dylan Wade to guard. And Wade is a good offensive lineman, and he, his body type is more suited for guard. And you're upgrading a guard spot by moving Wade there. So already going into next year, you're looking at a yeah, better two. offensive line than you had last year two. because you're, you're two essentially for, getting two a 2 one. Yep. yep, that's right. And the kicker there is that you've got the entirety of spring to implement this. You're not having to move Dylan Wade at the last minute. Right. They can go ahead and be just getting this rocking and rolling all that. So, yes. So, what we're safely saying there is offensive line, especially without addition, should be a huge – and the offensive line was better last year than it was the year before. But if you can stack that and make it better than that, I mean, especially with the rising star that you've got with Connor Liu in there. Right. As of now, you still got Tate Johnson, who could be a rock depth piece in there. Maybe Well, I think the big thing here. is that other guard spot, I mean, you got to feel good about at least one of – Jeremiah Wright, um, Muskrat, and Dylan Sinda being able to take that job by the horns. Like, one of those three is bound to be a good guard in the SEC. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and like I said, you got some depth in there, too. So it's not like it's just, oh, we got our starting five, then a true freshman. Miller, Miller's the one I worry about because he did struggle a lot, especially in pass protection last year. And um, I uh, think a lot, lot of, of fall, that – yes, false starts. False starts too, but I think a lot of that was just being raw and not playing as much football as some of these other guys have. I'm I'm hoping maybe this is more hope than expectation, but I'm hoping we see a big jump from him in year two because uh, that's really well, going to be the piece. Thornton has been an incredible addition to this team. Yeah, he's a good coach. I agree. He's he's a good young rising star, and he I, I believe it was um. Ooh, I'm trying to remember who it was. I believe Zach had him on and locked on Auburn. So one of the linemen, I'm drawing an absolute blank. And he he basically just mentioned that uh, that Thornton was just an absolute, like, just from a technique, learning the game, learning the position, just a mastermind. 
for the O-line and just what he was able to – just how how he's able to coach and teach these guys just right in making them better. And obviously I'm no offensive line coach. I'm no offensive lineman. I can't necessarily even begin to delve into the technicalities of that. But I think we can all know that they are there and having a guy that can do that on top of the recruiting – is going to be huge. So obviously hope he can stick around and really show a big year one to two improvement. So what we're getting at here is keep a trap offensive staff. We're saying, we're saying an upgrade. I'm saying that the, the key of that upgrade is going to be the culture being better at the very least. Agreed. And then obviously the other big change in offense this year is going to be the receiver room primarily yep. because of, as of today, the four true freshmen you're bringing in plus Robert Lewis from Georgia state. I mean, let's be honest. We've 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 dogged that group all last year. There's really nowhere to go but up at this point for that group. Yeah. And what you saw out of Cam Coleman Under Armour Week, where he was, according to the people there, was truly pushing to be the number one overall player this year. I think he steps on the field immediately. Is a really good receiver in the SEC. Uh, I feel I, I think Thompson's going to take a little bit longer, but I think by the end of the year, you're going to see some really good stuff out of him too. But you're bringing Jay Fair back. You're bringing Caleb Burton back to get another year under their belt. You've got an experienced guy in Robert Lewis coming in who had 900 yards at Georgia State last year. So you're expecting good things out of him, be that steady presence. And then you still got Ryan Williams you're battling for with Texas, now Bama. Um, hopefully we'll land him in February. And if we do now, land him, he's a day one starter. Now, weird question mark. Has Javaris Johnson actually announced where he's going yet? No, uh, he is supposedly down to Baylor, Utah, and UCF. But hasn't so that been like the hasn't hasn't that been like who he's been down to for like the last week? Yeah, I don't know what's going on there. I, I'm assuming he's not coming back at this point. Otherwise, he already would have withdrawn from the portal. Uh, I would have loved to have him back because I think he's a really good slot receiver. But uh, it, he'll he'll go to one of those places and he'll be really good for him. I'm sure. Yeah, crazy that he has not made. I'm I'm googling it right now to make sure I just didn't miss it. But um, yeah, I just, the top top article from a month ago. Utah offers Auburn wide receiver transfer Javaris Johnson a month ago. So wild, there hasn't been any decision there. And I mean, obviously, you well, uh, Landon King went to Utah, right? Yeah, and he I think he had like ten catches or something like that. He he did not live up to the uh, Auburn hype at Utah either. So everybody take part with that. That might be a fun offseason deal. We need to do a we need to do a departed Tigers checkup. See how uh everybody else did. And uh you know, speaking of, let's let's jump to um and I I'm gonna I'm gonna put the upgrade on the quarterback position or just the rating there is I, I mean well, I Thorne agree with you. To, I think Thorne has to be better than he was last year with, with the upgrade on the offensive line of the receivers. I don't know how much better he'll be, but he will be better. Um, so yeah, I mean, good, I agree with you. Like, there. I'm going to put like a to, to be determined tag on it, but I agree with you. It's kind of like there's nowhere to go but up. But since right. it is kind of built with true freshmen and it is going to hinge on the quarterback play, to be determined. But like I said, let's, let's be honest. It's, it can't not – by just default, it can't just really not be an upgrade. So If he plays, if he what, plays a C game next year, that'll be an upgrade. So, <laughs> so let's jump over to uh, – I mean, there was really no action running back. Batiste coming back. So that's just – no, it just is what it is. And then um is it uh Nix is gonna you said Nix is gonna be doing the running backs, right? Yeah, he'll be catching running backs. Mm -hmm. And I mean at this point, running backs is 
running backs are coached a little differently now than they used to be. So I'm not too worried about that. I mean, what do they say? Running backs coach, especially just a glorified recruiter. So. I mean, it's, it's, it's real tough to tell somebody to run faster, be stronger. I mean, really what you're catching as a run back coach is pass blocking and uh, where, where to read a line and where to read the hole to hit and all that. Yeah. So, like a lot of agility. Besides that, I mean, besides that, it's, it's your God given ability as a running back. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, just recruit or just have them go visit Brad Lester during the offseason, and then I think they're good. So, yeah. Yeah. Shout out. Shout out Brad Lester and uh, all his running back coaching he's been doing. So, the elephant in the room here. There, now, there haven't been a lot of action on this. I mean, this will probably be a whole episode, but uh, quarterback position. I mean, like, like we said, I, I think as far as coaching goes, I think you got to give it an upgrade in the coaching department because of the trust that and familiarity that Freeze has with Austin. And I, I, he's probably not a guy that a lot of people know about, um, but I interact with some Ole Miss people pretty frequently, and they have really good things to say about him from his time at Ole Miss. He was Houston Houston Nuts offensive coordinator when Jevin Sneed was there. You talking about you talking about you talking about Knicks? Ken Austin. Oh, okay. No, no. I'm sorry. I thought I, I knew Knicks had been there dating back that yeah, he, far. I didn't realize. Okay. I didn't realize Ken Austin had been there with um, Houston Nutt also. So, yes, yeah, so he was there with Houston Nutt and, and was an offense coordinator with Jevin Sneed, was the quarterback back in 2008, 2009. And then he spent the next eight years as the head coach of the Hamilton Tiger Cats in the CFL. And I think they won the Grey Cup twice. So it's, it's not some guy that's just Hughes' buddy he pulled off the street. This guy's had a really successful career. And I think he was an NFL quarterback for a while as well. Um, and everybody speaks really highly of, of him as a quarterback coach. And like we said, he's he's way more familiar with Breeze than Montgomery was. I think you have to consider him an upgrade. Well, and also, too, there's just the, if nothing else, the year two familiarity with some of these guys. Right. Uh, it'd be Holden, if he sticks around, Hank Brown, Peyton, if they potentially bring another guy. And then, obviously, you get to work with Walker White. Fresh out of the high school, Rocco Rice already enrolled, right? So I guess you're working with him right he now. He is. He's there. Yeah, and so he looked he looked fantastic in the Army game too. I, I, and that's just an All Star game, but he looked better than I anticipated. So I'm I'm kind of excited to see what he looks like in the spring. Right. So I think having just that to where it's just hey, we're not starting from square one. We're not trying to meet each other. Like we know what we're doing. We know what we need to work on. We got the film. I know your strengths. I know your weaknesses. Now we can work to improve the strengths and lesser the weaknesses. I think that's a big thing. I think if nothing else, you said that year two jump there. We'll give it a, I guess we'll give it, you know, somewhat of a, I'm not gonna say upgrade might be the wrong word, but we feel good about it. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's steady as of today, but you, you can have a little optimism that they will be better there this year. So let's jump over to the defensive side of the ball. Cause I mean, it seems like most everything for offense, and we will have a little follow for this over the summer because some of the stuff will slightly change. Of course, you're going to lose and add guys in the spring. But for right now, this is kind of where it lands at with a more emphasis on the coaching deal because hopefully that doesn't happen. Defensive side. Let's break this down starting with the coaches. So we do not have a defense coordinator yet. Um, we'll have to wait and see before we give that. A- Here's the thing with Roberts. I think he was a really good defensive mind. Uh, I don't think any of the guys on the board are going to be necessarily a a better schematic defensive mind than he was. But it also sounds like Roberts was a real pain in the butt to deal with. 
with everybody involved. And, I mean, you got Keontae Scott immediately withdraws from the portal right when Roberts goes to Florida. So no telling what uh, morale and team chemistry issues were going on behind the scenes there where you had players simply considering to go somewhere else because they didn't want to play for that guy anymore. Let's go back to the C word, culture. Yep. So from a cohesion standpoint, I think it's got to, it's probably going to be an upgrade there. Uh, yeah. I don't think we have anything wrong with Roberts. Like you said, as a on the field coach, but I think all the other stuff and even to the, the, the links with him and the working relationship, the very bizarre. And I said, we're not going to delve into the rumors per se, but the, odd correlation between with what happened with him and supposedly McGriff. Right. That, that so something happened on practice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That there were some professional working issues there that, and then he t- mysteriously was like, I'm not on the field, but I'm kind of working in the office. And just, the there were a lot of things that we're just going to just say maybe weren't the best cultural deals that, and then that bleeds over other things. So, Probably good to reset the button there. I mean, not ideal. If he'd asked me a year ago, if I'd say, oh, we're down to two coordinators again, I'd have been like, oh, great. But if you get it right, then we're good. And uh, there has not um, – or, or sorry, so Kelly, right, is he yes. going to officially be – He's on. He's he's good to go. They, ha- they haven't announced anything officially on him besides the fact that he's co-defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. And I know everybody got up in arms they named him that, but unless we miss on – Chris Kiffin and a bunch of other guys. I do not think Charles Kelly is going to be calling plays next year. Uh, so and I think he's going to be co-defense coordinator, and he's probably going to be the safeties coach, I would imagine, depending on who we hire. Uh, right. He is he is considered to be a very good position coach. Now, he had a struggle at Florida State as a defensive coordinator compared to what they had the years prior. So that's why I think a lot of people were kind of freaking out about him calling plays. But he has been a very good position coach at Alabama. And really his strongest suit is he is one of the 10 best recruiters of the Southeast region in the entire nation. If you go look at this 24-7 page, the guys he's landed, it is a who's who list of studs over the last six years. So well, it's going to be a huge upgrade in the recruiting department. Well, that's one thing that uh, I think if we're going to talk about upgrades here well, across the board, especially with Nick's, Kelly, they bring any other folks in. I mean, the undeniable truth is that the recruiting – train should not stop and that is before nick saban retired right so now that now there's some blood in the water and old DeBoer has not gotten anybody outside of the pacific time zone to alabama <laughs> might be uh well, might he's, be he's even... kept two guys they kept two yeah he kept gillespie and uh some uh pretty rich well They're i meant like but I meant, like, who has he actually, like, offered? As far as a coach? No, no, I'm talking about players. Oh, the only player I know they've offered was the dude, uh, that three-star tackle from Washington, which cracked me up. I, all I could think about was Harson going after that receiver from Oregon immediately. And that guy did everything in his power not to come to Auburn. Every time they were like, oh, they're the only school left that will take him to go. No, he, he wants to go check out Michigan now. <laughs> And then, um, and then he got to, he got that quarterback uh, coming to Alabama as well from Washington. So he's uh, he's recruiting the West Coast hard. So that's great. I hope he continues that. And 
as I said, that just means it's even more of an open season for 2025 recruiting. So any other uh, defensive moves on that side of the ball that we need to address before we wrap this episode up? So I can't be all rainbows and sunshine. I do think the defense is going to be worse this year than it was last year. Uh, And the biggest reason for that is I do not think we brought in a suitable replacement for Marcus Harris. I like Trill Carter. I like Gage Keys. Uh, Those are the two interior defensive linemen we brought in the transfer portal. I do not see either one of those guys living up to what Marcus Harris was last year, though. Now, also, I guess. Go ahead. I was. I just want to add. We don't know exactly what the defensive scheme is going to be either. Correct. Correct. It could. Well, let me put it this way: the guys that we're all talking to high on the board right now all run a very eight. Well, besides Arnett, um, but Chris Kiffin and DJ Durkin run a four two. Run out of a four two five mainly, which is what you see most teams run out of these days. Uh, and really, the three three five. Everybody gets up in arms about it, but that that third linebacker is just a jack linebacker. And my, my favorite thing I've seen on the message boards this week is everybody getting mad if we hire Arnett going to a 3-3-5. Uh, did y'all not realize we were running out of a 3-3-5 this year? Because that jack, linebacker, that jack linebacker was was a, is considered a linebacker for a reason, and he, he dropped into coverage fairly often. Uh, so it mm-hmm. won't be that big of a change if Arnett is the guy. So we'll see on that. Yep. Well, those are the moves there. So I think uh, offense we're feeling good about. Defense, probably we're not quite there putting all the pieces together yet. Uh, still yeah, we, weird. I would love to land a stud interior lineman in May. And that's a little bit easier to do than like a quarterback because you can kind of plug and play somebody there if he's, if he's physically developed. Uh, well, last, last thing, speaking of uh, – Additions. Auburn did snag a for the second time ever in the modern era after Corey Grant, a transfer from Alabama. Yeah, and I, I, I love this kid. I remember when he was a recruit, and he wouldn't give Harson the time of day. <coughs> yeah, uh, him, he, this kid was a uh, do everything athlete. Antonio Kite. Um, he was a do everything athlete out of Aniston. I remember hearing the stories about him about the things he would do on a basketball court, but he is a, he is a freak athlete. I believe he was, if he wasn't a top 150 player coming out of high school, he was right around there. Um, he was a Charles Kelly recruit. So Kelly's already paying dividends. Got this guy hit the portal and came to Auburn immediately. Uh, and I, I have a feeling this guy's going to start at one of the outside corner spots next year. Cause he was actually running second team at Bama last year. And I think he only played 20 snaps or so, but that's what he was listed as on the roster on the depth chart. Yeah, because he was behind Kool-Aid, so, like, that's kind of a tough tough spot yeah, to find. Yeah, you're not, not going to see the field too much behind him. Yeah. Now, also, too, now, didn't, if I remember correctly, did you say Pritchett jumped in the portal? No, he, he finally ran out of eligibility. Okay. Did somebody hit the portal, or am I, am I crazy? Uh, you're, you're talking about Elijah Pritchett. Yeah. The offensive tackle from Bama? I believe so. Yeah, but remember he he's got that stuff that happened the off camp the off uh, field stuff he got in trouble for like the week after he was flirting with that's, us to come over here. That's right. Okay. Yep. So I don't. I, he we that shit may have sailed because of that stuff. Would be my guess. Okay. Yeah, uh, that's all kind of coming. That's all kind of coming back to me now. Just kidding. But yeah, I must say they have had almost I believe between NFL and portal twenty high mid to high twenties. 
turnover. So that is a just utter disaster there. And I'm sure they're going to cry about it and try to get some rules changed. But well, I will, I will say this. It is it is unfair kind of what's happening to them. I'm not mad that they're the ones that are having to show the NCAA this is what your rules have wrought upon us. Uh, I'm, ha- I'm happy it's happening to them. But it is unfair from the standpoint that your coach retires and all of a sudden your roster can just be picked apart at the end of the year. Yeah, to where you can't even field a team. I mean, you can't even field a team for spring practice because yeah. everybody else is done. And, yeah, there's de- definitely a um, – there's definitely something that they've got to – there will be – I mean, before, regardless of whatever happened with or without Alabama, they were going to be changes, and I think these are just kind of showing the glaring holes and for, hey, it would be rare, but if something like this happened, you can't allow that to even be a remote possibility, and it's kind of what it was. So that's uh we had, we had, a, we had another we had another big addition we haven't talked about too that safety from texas oh yeah of course. absolutely he's he's gonna be really good he was an all big 12 player two years ago he was an honorable mention this year just shortly on him this guy's a perfect jalen simpson replacement they play a lot the same way he's gonna be one of those center fielder safeties coverage on the back end roam around pick somebody off when they're not looking uh, he's going to be – he's an excellent replacement and somebody we've been needing bad. So I think the secondary is probably not as good on paper as it was last year, but it's got a ton of potential, and it could be just as good as it was this year by the end of the year. Well, we'll uh, we'll come loop back on the defense. Uh, we'll see how that pans out because I think it's safe to say they might have a little bit more coming. Obviously, they're not done on the coaching search. And then next thing it's going to be talk. next thing we're going to be talking about is how these guys start looking like in spring. One last question though, before we wrap up this episode here, Javon Reed did the bat signal. We're not done yet. Uh, any, any rumors out there for what he could be referring to? I have no earthly idea what he's got on that. So I, your guess is as good as mine. And I'm very, he, he doesn't, uh, there's usually something that happens pretty close to when he does that stuff. So I don't know if he's talking about Ryan Williams or somebody else. We'll see. Yeah, well, typically Trevon Reed does not throw that out there unless there's going to be something splashy coming. So I think we can all safely say that there has been a lot of uh, well-deserved trust put in Trevon and the work that they are doing out there. That is going to wrap us up for today's episode of the Auburn Daily Show. I want to thank everybody for coming to hang out with myself and Pat. You can find me on the Twitter and Instagram at, at Auburn Memes. You know what it is. It is troll season. It's meme season. We're coming after these schools and basketball. So if you want to kind of join along with fun and antics, that's, we can check it out. We're a little bit more serious tone. You know, we, we try to keep it a little bit more above the board while we're doing the YouTube show. And I want to thank everybody for joining us for that. It's, it's good to, uh, you know, have a little bit more mature outlets, but want to also tell everybody, if you don't already subscribe, like the show, hit the notifications, check it out wherever you get your podcasts, YouTube comment, all the stuff. Helps us out a ton, helps us grow the show. The growth in the last two months has been incredible. I want to thank everybody for helping us do that. And then, of course, check it out at auburndaily.com. Check out the Twitter, the Facebook pages, and everything they got going on. The staff is always, always, always turning out some great written content. So make sure to give them the support and love. And for Pat Barnes, 
you don't know where to find Pat Barnes. Say something really stupid online, he'll find you. But if you do like Pat's works, of course, just check us out. He'll be back here again, as always, next week. I want to thank everybody again, and you guys have a good rest of the day.